Let's turn to the Word of God to 1 John, 1 John. And uh, we're going to begin chapter 2. Of course, uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we started a uh, study there through uh, 1 John. So today we're going to do the first couple chapters, first couple verses of chapter 2. So we'll just read verses 1 and 2, say this in the Word of God. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, say this. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray again. Father, again, we come before you through the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we praise you, we thank you, we worship you. Lord, we thank you that you're still saving souls, changing lives, and building your local churches around the world. Lord, we thank you for what we just heard from the, the Roper family. And God, we just ask you to bless them and use them and guide them. Uh, dear God, just make it clear every step of their journey. We pray. Lord, we thank you for those that are be faithful to be in the house of God. Those are faithful to listen in. And Lord, you know the needs of every heart. Lord, we think of Sister Sarah this morning. <laughs> we think of the Pitt family and, and their loved ones. We thank you for the testimony we just heard concerning uh, Brother Pittman. Lord, we do continue to pray for the Thomases and the Woods and the Bolts and uh, others with great, great burdens upon their heart, Lord. <laughs> Lord, we thank you that Sonny could be here today and uh, others, dear God, that haven't been uh, feeling well and allowing them to be here. Lord, we just want to say we need you this morning. We desire you this morning. And dear God, that you would be glorified. Lord, if by chance there's somebody here or somebody listening that for whatever reason up to this point in their life, they've never been born again by the grace of God. Lord, we do pray the Spirit of God and the Word of God would work in that heart, dear Lord, and open it up. And today, dear God, they'd repent of their sins and put their trust in the finished work and shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us now, we pray, to thy glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, uh, again, uh, as we've mentioned, but just as reminders, a uh, little, uh, a few things on the book of 1 John, just a reminder, it was written around 90 A.D., and again, uh, John is focusing on what we call the third generation of believers. Of course, he was in the first generation. And of course, uh, by the third generation, it really only takes one generation for things to start messing up. And uh, so they were uh, needed to be stirred up concerning their faith and faithfulness. And just a reminder, as we go through this book, again, uh, four things it touches on. Again, he warns believers concerning their indifference to morality and sin. He admonishes believers concerning a love for things of the world versus a love for the things of God. He, uh, uh, John teaches the importance of the believer exhibiting a pure and righteous love, especially towards one another. And then lastly, he speaks of true faith in Christ as the Son of God is the foundation, amen, on which Christianity is based. And then another thought as we look at these verses, 1 John is also a message about God's faithfulness to his children. Amen. God's faithfulness to his children. And in these two verses, we see one of the points that makes it clear how faithful God is to his children once they get saved. And notice these verses, even though we're going to talk about sin a little bit, this chapter starts off with a wonderful phrase. And look how it starts off. Notice these three words, my little children. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful thought this morning? My little children. I mean, how precious is that that he starts off saying before he even mentions sin, he reminds you, hey, you're 
are one of my children. And so we need to remember that once we're saved, no matter what we do, you are a child of God. You say, I blew it this week. Well, you probably did. And so we're going to tell you how to deal with that. But even though you did, you are still a child of God and that he loves you. Amen. He cares for you and he wants the best for you. Psalm 103 verse 13 says this, like as a father pitieth his children. So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He just doesn't delight in you. He pities you. You know, Paul had such a heart. You know why Paul had such a heart? Because he had the Lord's heart. Remember what he said in 1 Thessalonians 2.11 when he talked about going there. He said, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So think about that. Even though we got to deal with some things in our lives sometimes, be reminded, if you're saved, you are a child of God. If you're not, amen, you can become one today. So let's look in uh, these verses again, my little children, these things right in you, that ye sin not. Notice two, those two words, sin not. That is, goal, that is God's goal for your life. That is God's will for your life, that you right uh, have a desire not to sin. That is what God wants in your life. Proverbs 3.12 says this, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. We talked about that a couple, months, a couple weeks ago, how the Lord delights in you. And he wants you. He has a goal for you. And one of those goals is that ye sin not. And as we think about that, we need to remember, right, that he's provided for that. Remember, we think about God. Remember, we have the Son of God as our Savior. We have the Word of God as our guide. And then we have the Spirit of God to empower us as believers. And so sin not, that is God's goal for us. And he wants that to be our goal for ourselves as well. Uh, Psalm 119 I'll read verses 9 through 11. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11 say this in the Word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. The psalmist said, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. You see, that's the, we see that the psalmist desires that he said not. He said, Lord, please don't let me wander from your commandments. And then, of course, that famous verse, verse 11, where he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. And why did he hide it there? That I might not sin against thee. So God says, hey, I, I'm giving you some things that you sin not. And that's his desire. And he wants that to be desire of our heart as well, that we wouldn't do anything to offend our loving Savior, amen, to offend our loving Lord. And so here's something we need to understand. Though we are saved, we do not have the inability to sin, right? I mean, we still got that old man, but we do have the ability not to sin. Right? We don't have the inability not to sin, right? We're not uh, uh, like Christ, but we do have the ability not to sin. Romans 6, verses, uh, let me give you some verses from Romans 6, that great chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You know the next verse, God forbid. How shall we that are, what? Dead to sin live any longer therein? Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin, why? Might be destroyed. That henceforth, that means from this point on, hey, we got saved, 
right? Something happened in our life. We've been born again. We've been washing the blood. The Holy Spirit came to take up residence in our life. We've been birthed in the family of God. And so from henceforth, from this point on, we should not serve sin. Verse 7, why? For he that is dead is freed from sin. Amen. So listen, we, you say, well, there's a lot of excuses to sin. Well, you turn to the word of God, you'll find there's a lot of excuses not to sin according to the word of God. First Corinthians 10, 13 says this, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And we need to remember that when we hear about people slipping in the sin, hey, when I hear about what somebody's done, you know what that tells me? I know how to pray for them. That's what that tells me. It doesn't tell me I know how to point my finger at them. It doesn't tell me I know how to kick them when they're down. It tells me I know how to pray for them and be for them and help restore that one. That's what that tells me. Because listen, it's common demand. Listen, I am no better in myself as the worst sinner walking the street here tonight. I'm no better in myself. The only good in me is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And his grace working in my life. So there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But here it is. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above your able, but will with temptation. Amen. Make an escape. Make an escape. Just like on this side of the building. You know what we have on this side of the building? I don't know if you ever noticed it. Uh, there's fire escape. So if you're ever on one of the other floors, head that direction. Hey, Amen. There's a fire escape over there. Why? So that when that fire comes, you got a way to escape. And God has a way that when fire, amen, that's what sin is. Sin is a consuming fire. It'll destroy your testimony. It'll destroy your family. It'll destroy your ministry. It'll destroy, amen, everything God's trying to do in you and, and, and through you. But God's given you a way to escape. So the thought is this. Sin should no longer, once we're saved, sin should no longer be considered normal in our life. Sin should no longer be considered normal in our life or the life of the believer. Of course, we in, in uh, uh, John, uh, the first chapter, there, verse 9, talked about uh, confessing. And what does confess mean? Well, in simple terms, the word confess means this. It means to say the same thing. So uh, how, how do we get things right when we, you see, now that we're believers, we should say the same thing about sin that God says about sin. Now, if we, if we do sin, we'll talk about that in a moment. We get it right by saying the same thing. But hey, try this. Before you do it and have to say the same thing after you do it, how about just say the same thing about it before you do it? <laughs> That'll help you out. Just say the same thing, which sounds better. Oh, God, that was wicked. I shouldn't have done it. Or, oh, God, that's wicked. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> that sounds better, doesn't it? If we say the same thing beforehand, that will protect us. But let's go on and see what this continues to say. Right? God's goal is that we sin not, but then what do we do next? Notice these words. If any. If any man sin. Boy, uh, but so here's the thing. God's goal for us is that we sin not. That should be our goal, but thank God in his mercy and grace that if we do, God has made provision for that. And so when it says any man sin, you need to understand here, the tense here of this is a single act of sin, not a habitual sin. Sin should not be an habitual thing in the believer's life. Hey, we might slip up, right? 
right? But uh, uh, sin should not be an habitual thing in a believer's life. Though we might fail and commit sin, we think of it this way. Should, sin should not be a repetition. It should be an exception in the believer's life. Shouldn't be, uh, uh, you know, uh, getting caught up in things. We can be protected from that. So when we are saved, of course, we now what? We're saved. We have a union with Christ. We're in Christ. We have a union with Christ. We're part of his body. Ephesians 5.30 says this, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And we need to remember that. We are part of his body. Again, you know, a, a lot of times you see people think about being in the hand of Jesus. We think about if I, say, if I, if I said, hey, uh, uh, oh, Joshua went back there. If I said to somebody, what's in my hand? They're going to say that knife. I say, be careful because you're always cutting yourself, right? I'm always cutting myself with a knife. He says, listen, I cut myself with water the other day. I mean, I can't wait. Anyways, I say, what's in my hand? You'd say, well, a knife, right? Well, you see, uh, listen. Uh, uh, that, that's actually, you know, in one sense, on my hand. What's really in my hand is bones and muscles and all that stuff, you see? And see, the reason we think sometimes we can lose it is we, we think Jesus is holding on to us like this, right? We think Jesus, he's not holding on to us like this in his hand. We're part of his hand. Amen. Hey, listen, I've, I've dropped things that, were, that I was holding on to. I've dropped things that were in my hand, but so far, I've never dropped a finger, uh, you know, I've never been walking along. I've dropped something and said, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, did you, uh, did, did, uh, you drop this box? I said, oh, oh, I didn't realize I dropped that box. But I've never had walk by and say, oh, excuse me, did you drop this finger? Or did you drop it? That hasn't happened yet. Of course, somebody like me, that could happen probably if it could happen. But listen, we need to realize we're in Christ. We are part of him. That's how secure we are, amen? We are part of his body. It says right there, that's a, that's a verse you need to memorize. Members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And of course, since we have union, that opens up the door for what? Communion, which we talked about. You know, chapter one, fellowship. So since we have union, now we can enjoy communion with Christ. And as we know, our union is settled and eternal. But our communion is something that we have to cultivate, as we've talked about, on a daily basis, right? A daily basis. That's why I always emphasize again, the most important thing of our life is our daily walk with the Lord. So think about this. Our actions are sin, though they don't affect our union, as we know and have studied earlier, they affect our communion with the Lord. So you need to remember, as a believer, you represent Christ to the world. You are Christ representative to the world. You represent Christ to the world. You represent a holy God to the world. And we need to emphasize the holy God. Everybody likes to talk about God is love. But even above that, he's holy. He's holy. And you represent the Holy Spirit to the world. And so uh, we need to take that seriously. Our actions as believers. So listen, when we mess up, right, we need to realize our actions as believers not only bring reproach upon us personally, but it also brings reproach upon our Savior. It brings reproach upon our Heavenly Father. It brings reproach upon our Comforter and Guide. And so uh, we need to take sin seriously in our life. And of course, there's different types of sin. We know that there's the sins we willfully and deliberately do against God, right, that we do. And then there's sins, not only there's sins of do, there's sins of don't. They're the sins, that we, the things that we fail to do 
in obedience to God. And again, we always think of those big things, those, you know, big things. But as I have reminded you before, the closer you get to God, the thinner the line is between what's right and wrong. When you first get saved, you think there's a 10-foot black line painted down the middle of the road. You say, this side is being right with God. That side's being uh, 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 out of God's will. But boy, really, you find out that sometimes that line is thinner than your finger, right? There's that thin line just in your heart. And boy, it's not that you, it's not that you went to the, the bar or the dance hall last night. It's that you got up and you've, been, you've got a bad attitude or you didn't pray or spend time with the Lord or you didn't do what God has called you to do as a believer. So now think about this. If Peter can blow it, we can sure blow it. Turn over to uh, Matthew 16. Now, a lot of times we think about, when we think about Peter uh, messing up, we always think about where he denied God. But really here in Matthew 16, these are some of the most amazing verses to me about Peter messing up. We all know that he denied Christ. But notice these verses in Matthew 16. Now, verse Matthew 16, we know what happens there when Jesus says, you know, who do men say that I am? And some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah and all, John the Baptist. And then uh, he said, who do you say that I am? And then Peter gives that great answer in verse 17. And look what it says. He said, well, in verse 16, he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And notice what Jesus says to Peter in verse 17 of Matthew 16. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Boy, that's exciting. Man, wouldn't you like Jesus to say that to you? Like, wow, you know what Jesus said to me today? Whoo, man, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing good. You, you other disciples need to back up. He was talking to me, right? He was talking to me. But listen to this. Don't get the big head. Look just a few verses down. When Jesus starts talking about going to Calvary and all those things, and then Peter turns around and rebukes him, and then just a few verses down, verse 23, uh, not long after this, look at verse 23, look at what Jesus does. He turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Wow, he's talking to the same man in those two verses. So, boy, don't think that you, 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 it can't happen to you. You know, we think, oh, he denied Christ, but right there, I mean, Christ rebuked him to his face about something he said concerning Christ. So don't think, oh, just because, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, uh, uh, 12 o'clock and you're sitting in church and all that stuff, man, well, you know, I got this day covered. Oh, listen, day is not over. You might be doing good at 12 p.m., but who knows what you'd be doing at 12 a.m., but for the grace of God, but for the grace of God. So remember that. But, and also remember this, when we do sin, boy, you have to remember there is one there waiting to come and prosecute you. Revelation 12, 10, the devil, boy, he is just waiting for you to mess up. Revelation 12, 10 says this about Satan. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Look at this. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Look at that. Which accused them before our God day and night. You see, when, when, when you mess up, you give Satan opportunity. 
You give Satan opportunity to point the finger about you before God. We know he goes before God. We, 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 we've seen that in Job and other places. He goes before just looking for somebody. Uh, uh, he's walking to and fro in the earth, and we know what the, the Word of God says about that. But he's the accuser, and he wants to accuse them day and night before God. So Satan loves to point the accusing finger at us. Now, here's the thing. We know he's a liar. We know he's the father of lies, right? The Bible tells us that. I think uh, John 8 or somewhere around there, right? He's the father of lies. But here's the sad thing. Sometimes when he goes before God and says some things, sometimes he speaks the truth. Sometimes he says, hey, hey, do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what that that rascal Jeff uh, Stewart did this week? And unfortunately, maybe I did. And I'm like, well, man. Yeah, he, he lies, but I can't say he was lying that time when he talked about me. That'd be a, that'd be a sad thing. That'd be a sad thing. You see, the devil, what, is he, what does he want to do? He, he just can't wait to make you look bad. Why? Because he wants to make your Savior look bad. Again, he wants to make God look bad. And so, boy, uh, he knows he can't do nothing to God, but, boy, if he can get to God through you. Hey, can people get to us through our children? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know the term Mama Grizzly. We know that. We know people get to us through our children. And boy, people like to get to God. Satan likes to get to God through his children. And you have to remember your actions. Think about this. Your actions either bring delight to the heart of God or bring delight to the heart of Satan. So you got to think about this. This action is this action I'm about to do. Is this way I'm about to go? Is it going to bring delight to the heart of God or is it going to bring delight to the heart of Satan? Because now he has something to accuse me of. He has something to point the finger about. So we need to think about that when we make as we make decisions in life. But thank God as we try to hurry on here, God has given us a defense. Thank God this what it says here. Right. God doesn't want us to sin. But if any man sin, we know that potential is still there if we give to ourselves. But thank God for what those next two words we have. (laughs) Amen. Hey, I hope you don't sin. But if you do sin, you know what? We have. (laughs) We have. Thank God. We have what? We have an advocate. We have a lawyer. Now, we call them lawyers here uh, in Bulgarian. You know, that's a universal advocate, right? Uh, same word there, right? And we have an advocate, a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Thank God when the devil does step up to accuse, Jesus Christ steps up to refuse, amen, on your behalf. So when the devil comes to accuse on your behalf, Jesus steps up to refuse on your behalf. And notice what it says, who is our advocate? Jesus Christ, one of those next two words, the righteous, the righteous, the righteous. And where are you? You're in him. So despite what you've done, you're righteous. You're righteous in the eyes of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You are righteous. Despite, just like we said last week, even though we're not always acceptable, we're always accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's Jesus Christ, the righteous, and you're in him. And so you are, amen. Oh, I never thought about that. Jeff, the righteous. I kind of like that. I like that. I'm going to change my, uh, change my, uh, change that on the Facebook or whatever. I'm not on Facebook. Uh, the the, anyways, moving on, Jesus Christ. So in Christ, think about this. Despite what we do in Christ, now think not in yourself, but in Christ, we live an 
unchangeable, unaffectable, and an unending state. We live in an unchangeable, unaffectable, unending state. Hebrews 7.25, this great verse we love, says this, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the what? Uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth what? To make intercession, to make intercession for them. You see, the Holy Spirit is the intercessor in us. Jesus Christ is the intercessor for us. So we got an intercessor in us when it goes to pray. We got an intercessor for us, amen, when we need help. And of course, we know we love that word uttermost, right? You love that. Why again? Because we know what it means what? It means to the, to the farthest point possible. You're saved. If you are saved, you are saved to the uttermost uh, point possible. It's like this. You can't get any more saved than you are. Now, we like that thought. Man, I can't get any more saved than I am. But here's we need to remember the other side of that. You can't be saved any less. You see, so even when you even when you mess up, you can't be saved any less. So whether you're doing everything right, you're as saved as you're ever going to be. And when you if you do mess up, you're not saved any less. You can't be saved anymore, but you can't save any less. The moment you got saved, you entered that what? Unchangeable, unaffectable, unending state of salvation. Amen. In that position in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thought that is. You can't be saved anymore. You can't be saved any less. And so notice this. We have an advocate. And you see, and so here's the question. Boy, when you want, when you want to, when you have a lawyer, you want to know, you listen, you talk to him and say, well, um, I just got, I just got a question before I, I signed with you. Uh, um, what's going to be the basis for your defense? <laughs> just like to know that. What's going to be the basis of your defense? Well, we find the base of his defense in verse two. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, here we see the basis of his defense. You see, there's a, there's a, there's a big difference between a earthly defense lawyer and our heavenly defense lawyer. When you get an earthly defense lawyer, no matter what you've done, he says, all right, John, let's try to figure out how we can prove you're innocent. Well, I am innocent. I was framed, right? I was in Chicago. Oh, it happened in Chicago. I was in New York. I was in New York, right? We tried to figure out how we can prove we were innocent, right? The, 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 the earthly defense lawyer wants to prove how you're innocent. But that's not what our, that's not what our heavenly defense does. Why? Because he's an honest lawyer. He's an honest lawyer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not only did the devil see you, Jeff, but I saw you too. Okay, you're busted. You can't, you can't, you can't get out of this. But he, he, he doesn't try to. So the, the earthly lawyer would, would fight for our innocence. But here's what, here is what our heavenly advocate does. You know what he does? He goes into court and he admits your guilt. He goes into court and he admits your guilt. But you know what he does? Even though he admits your guilt, he still pleads for your complete acquittal, what? Based on his shed blood, based on his death, burial, and resurrection. That is how he is able to plead for your defense. Because he, he Christ our advocate, he what? He already paid the penalty for the offense. So he goes in there, right? You know, not worrying how how can we lower what he's going to have to pay if he if he goes to jail? He says, listen, oh, listen, I know what you've done. 
But you know what? I already paid for that. That offense has already been paid for, and I'm going to let it go. Listen, that you, listen you're, you're guilty of what you did, but you're innocent in me. And so based upon that, I can plead for acquittal. He's our propitiation. Romans 3.25, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith, what? In his blood. Thank God for the blood. In his blood. To declare what? His righteousness. So he goes in there, and what does he plead? What does he plead? He pleads his blood, and he pleads his righteousness before the court. For the what? The remission of sins that are what? That are past. That are, pit, that are past. Do you realize, you see, well, you know, uh, 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 how, how, how do you pay the price for my future sins? Oh, listen, uh, listen, uh, 2,000 years ago, how many sins had you committed? Yeah. <laughs> all your sins were future 2,000 years ago. You weren't born. So he forgave you of all those things already. Propitiation has to do with Christ's work, God word, by which he restores God's favor, man word. Romans 8.1 says this, there's therefore what? Now no condemnation. And you know what now means? Now means, well, now. And you know, and you know what? You live in the now. So even when you do something now, there is now therefore no condemnation because you live in the now, right? There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Where are you? I'm in Christ Jesus. Who's your advocate? Jesus Christ, the righteous, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And then uh, verses 33 and 34, you know, we all, we all know John 8, 28, but there's a, there's a lot of good verses in that chapter, which say this, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Huh? That's what he's saying. Who do you think you are? He looks at that prosecutor and says, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to come and try and lay charges to my elect, to my children? It is God that justifieth, right? Declared righteous. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who what? Again, is again, also maketh intercession for us. So here's the great thing. When, 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 when Satan comes in and raises his pointing hand, Amen. Satan comes in. So oh, there's Joshua. <laughs> I was watching him this week. And he, he, he raises his pointed hand, pointing hand. You know what? Christ comes in and he raises his pierced hand. Amen. So you might have a pointing hand, but you see, I've got a pierced hand. And this pierced hand paid the price for whatever it is, whatever it is you're pointing about, whatever it is you're trying to accuse him of. I watch you, you Satan, you can point your hand all day because I've got a pierced hand all day and the blood's been shed and the price has been paid. Amen. And I plead for full acquittal. And then he looks over and says, what do you think, father? <laughs> yeah, he's related to the judge. Satan, go back to where he belongs, amen, because you are covered, amen. Thank God, amen. We don't have to worry about the pointing hand because we've got the pierced hand where the blood was shed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for his advocacy. And here's the good thing. Notice what this verse says as we finish up. And he is the propitiation for our sins. But look what it goes on to say. Isn't this wonderful? Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, his advocacy, if you will, extends to his children, but his propitiation extends as wide and as far as sin itself in the world. 
That's how big and wonderful our God is. Those those words, not for ours only. Christ died for all men without distinction. Christ died for all men without exception. There's not a man wherever God sends their Oprah family, right? They're, they're, they're not ever, they'll, they'll never run into anybody that Jesus Christ didn't shed his blood for. They'll never run into anybody, amen, that Christ didn't pay the price for. As I look back, almost 70 countries, I've seen a lot of people in this world, and I've never yet to meet anybody in any country, in any place, in any village that Jesus Christ didn't pay the price for, that Jesus Christ wasn't the propitiation for. Sin. We don't have to. We don't have to. But if we do, but if we do, Amen. you're covered. It's covered. So remember this, as we go throughout our day, we don't want to take it lightly. You say, well, if you believe that, you just go out and, and, and do whatever you want to. You're right. But my want to changed the day I got Amen. saved. My want to changed the day I got saved. Amen. And so you know what I do? You know why I'm here today? Because I want to. You know why I got up this morning and read my Bible? Because I want to. You know why I got up and prayed this morning? Because I want to. Amen? Why did you leave tracks out this week? Why did you witness to somebody this week? Because you want to. Amen? Why are they going to the military? Because they want to. Amen? Because they got saved and God changed their wants. That's right. When you get saved, you can live like you want to. Amen? in his will and to his glory. And as you go about, oh, listen, just in case you do, remember this, his blood is always working on our behalf. His prayers are always working on our behalf. And if, listen, we don't have to, but if we do, he is always standing ready to step forward on our behalf, amen, as our advocate. So listen, don't worry about that point in hand. Looking unto Jesus, the author and fisher of our faith. Remember, listen, when the devil tries to beat you overhead with that pointing hand, don't look down. Look up at that pierced hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And confess, say, God, I agree with you. You're right. You're right. I agree with you. And then get up and keep marching forward and keep serving him. Let's pray.